This is Annie Stevens-Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. This is the Holy Eucharist, Rite 2, for December 18th, 2022.
Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Church of the Redeemer. It is a joy to be with you. I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time or for the first time in a long time. A special joy to have you with us. Welcome. And I want to say a welcome to those of us who are joining us on our live stream. We are so grateful that we have the opportunity to stay connected with you in this way. If you're just getting to know our church and you'd like to know more about us, you can find us on our website, redeemer-cincy.org. That's redeemer-cincy with a y.org. You can click on the About tab, learn more about us and contact us and tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself and we can continue to get to know each other. I want to let you all know a few things that are going on today as we prepare for worship. Uh, first of all, I do want to invite you all uh, to uh, stick around after the service. And the weather's not very great, and the Bengals don't play till 425, so you guys have time. Um, we, have, uh, uh, we have a few different ways that you can uh, be with us today. Uh, we have uh, a coffee hour in the Great Hall after today's service. You can just come and socialize and be with us. Or if you're interested in, we have education hour for all ages at the 10 o'clock hour. And for adults specifically, we'll head to the parlor for our Episcopal Advent education hour. Uh, this week we'll be discussing and exploring uh, the theme of family in relation to Christmas and Advent. Uh, we'll have Max Firesheets, Andrew and Anna Musgrave, Hannah Teeter, and me, the Reverend Philip Duvall. We'll all be in there teaching that class and facilitating that conversation together. So that's in the parlor. You can come join us in the parlor for the Episcopal Advent or come to the Great Hall and just hang out for coffee hour. At noon, we will have our Christmas pageant rehearsals in the Great Hall. Lunch will be provided. If you haven't registered your children for the Christmas pageant yet, you still can come and you're still able to. So you can uh, register for them uh, on our Church of the Redeemer, our core app under children registrations and you can join the group this morning. Um, also, we invite children ages three through 10 to gather for uh, Kids Chapel. Hannah's in the back right now awaiting anyone who'd like to go with her. You can join Hannah and head to the chapel and we'll be back at the peace and join us for communion. We do have a lot of programming coming up and of course this is, we, we are six days, uh, uh, seven days till Christmas, which means six days till Christmas Eve, which is when most of you will actually go to church on Christmas Eve. Uh, so we do have four services on Christmas Eve. We have one service uh, next Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Christmas service. And then the following Sunday is New Year's Day. Uh, we will also only have one service uh, on Sunday, New Year's Day. That will also be at 10 a.m. You are invited to that, and then we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming on January 8th. Although do please keep an eye out for Friday, January 6th, when we will have the return of our annual chili cook-off on Epiphany. We'll, we'll celebrate the Epiphany, we'll worship Jesus, we'll burn some greens, and then we'll eat some chili. So please do look that up in our, on the events page of our website, and I hope that you will consider joining us for that. These are, I say, all the announcements I'm going to make today. So now we get to worship together. I invite you, please, to stand as you are able.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. reading from the prophet Isaiah. Again, the, word, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as shoal of high, as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child 
knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. The land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. A reminder that we will all be singing our psalm again this Sunday. If you want to turn to page six in your bulletins. Again, I will be watching, so I want to see all your mouths moving. A reading from Romans. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, 
through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of our Lord.
God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when I was in high school, I performed in a play called Love Letters by A.R. Gurney. And I won't give away the whole plot of Love Letters. Actually, it's, it would be impossible to. There is no plot. It's just two people sitting side by side reading letters back and forth to each other. As an actor, by the way, this was great because I didn't have to memorize any lines. It was all right in front of me and I, couldn't, I wasn't in trouble for reading it. That was my job, to read the letter. So I played the boy, I had that going, and then the, the girl was right next to me playing the girl, and we read these letters back and forth to each other, written uh, by these two characters throughout their lives. They meet as children at camp, summer camp, and you know develop a little crush, but then they go off on their separate ways and in their separate lives, and the play takes place over the lifespan, over the span of their lives, and their lives are not spent together, their lives are apart. And so the story of the play is really just the story of two people writing letters back and forth throughout their life, writing letters of love and connection, writing letters of longing. Maybe we'll see each other again someday. What will that look like? Well, you know, love letter stuff. Moshi and beautiful and idealistic and romantic and wonderful. Throughout Advent, we've been focusing on these epistles, these letters to churches. And it's these, and particularly right now, we're looking at Paul's letter to a church in Rome. We're looking at that in the readings in Advent. We'll see them pop back up later on next year, actually, throughout the summer, spring and summer, you're going to hear a lot, and we're going to preach exhaustively from Romans. So you'll get really used to it. We're also studying Paul's letter to the church in Rome in our Thursday morning Bible study, and all are welcome to join that either online or in person. But so often when we read these letters from the New Testament, we think of them as if Paul or whoever else is writing is sitting down and trying to construct a theological argument, is trying to basically say, all right, we've got a church, now let's, uh, let's, describe, let's describe and delineate the theology of this church. Because that is where we derive so much of our theology as a church is from these letters. But the truth is, whenever we're opening up those letters in the New Testament, we're just reading love letters. We're reading letters that Paul or someone else writes to a congregation to remind them of their utter and total belovedness, of the fact that they are completely and totally loved by the God who has never abandoned them and will never abandon them. Now we can create all sorts of theologies, doctrines, and dogmas around that. I'm a church guy. I like theologies, doctrines, and dogmas. But the reality is that those letters were written to specific communities, not to construct a grand plot, but to, to address a very specific concern in people's lives. And if you really want to boil that concern down to one concern, it's are we loved? But are we loved? Paul's answer, yes. 
always yes, emphatically yes, repeatedly yes, you are loved. This would seem overly simple, except that 2,000 years later, we find ourselves wondering, am I loved? So the letters, these love letters, keep being read. We keep reading these letters where Paul says grace to you, God's grace, God's love, grace to you and peace. In this letter, Paul, at the very beginning that we read, that, that, that uh, Bill read for us today, we, we hear Paul talk about just the basic theme of you belong. He's writing a letter to a group of people who are made up of both Jewish and Gentile converts. These are people who, up until a few years ago, didn't have any idea of who Jesus was or what any of that meant. And now they're Jesus' people. And so now they belong to each other, and they're trying to figure out how to live together, how to share life. And Paul is writing them a letter to remind them of the foundational truth, which is however they're going to live their life, it needs to be rooted and grounded in the truth of their belovedness and their belongingness to God and to one another. This is the most fundamental truth about our faith. You are loved, and you belong. But that's not even big enough, because what Paul wants to remind these people is that the love of God is expansive. It's not just for one person or one group of people, but it gets bigger and bigger. So he points out, that the good news, which is the, good, the, the truth of our belovedness, is not just for one tribe or people. It's not just for his, his crew. Paul's an Israelite. It's not just for the Israelites. But it's opened up to the Gentiles, which means everybody else. So Paul's message is not just that God is, God is love and that God is loving, or that God is loving you. It's that God is loving this whole world, and that we are meant to live as if that's true. Now, love letters, love letters are so powerful in part because you're not actually with the person to whom you're writing them. You write a love letter specifically because I'm over here and you're over there and I miss you. So love letters are filled with longing. Love letters are filled with hope for when we'll see each other again. And they're filled with the most beautiful, grand, romantic language because when you're writing a letter to someone you love, you are thinking about all of the things about them you cherish. You generally don't write a letter to someone you love thinking about all of the things that drive you nuts. In the play Love Letters, these two go their separate ways. They grow up, they live separate lives, they marry separate people. Down the line, after, some, after those marriages end, they, they do reconnect and they have... They get together, they have a romantic engagement, and you'll never believe this, it's not what they thought it would be. This is so true for so many of us. We have this ideal of what things are supposed to be. We even have an ideal of their, our beloved and what they will be like and are like. And then when we're with them, we go, oh yeah, yeah, you. I mean, I love you and stuff, right, okay, got it, okay. This happens so often, if you've ever gone on a trip and just missed your family, 
You'd be like, oh my gosh, I need to see you again. And then you come back home, and 20 minutes later you're like, when is my next trip? The thing is that we think that these letters, these love letters, Paul is writing these love letters, he's reminding these people of God's love because they, are, they don't see God right in that moment. But Paul even describes the, the, the old scriptures, the Old Testament, the Hebrew writings, the, the prophets and the Torah and the writings, he describes them in, in a way that basically is like their love letters from God for people who are waiting for God to show up. We are preparing for Christmas and we say that on Christmas God showed up. Jesus is not God's love letter to God's people. Jesus is what happens when the love letters stop and love shows up. When the one you love shows up right in front of you. And if you've read the scriptures, then you know that just like in real life, when we're faced with the person that we've written all these romantic things to, when God actually shows up in Jesus Christ, one of the overwhelming feelings people have is disappointment. Oh, like this? This is how you choose to save us? Through this guy? Now, don't get me wrong, a lot of people follow him. He performs miracles. He teaches amazing teachings. But there is a fundamental disappointment that goes along with Jesus being Jesus because the reality is that they want the Messiah to come in and overnight everything's going to change. Everybody's lives change like that. And it's just undeniable, the presence of God. And maybe one of the most frustrating things for me about God and I mean genuinely something I really get frustrated with God about is that God's existence and presence is always deniable if you want it to be. It is a matter of faith. God shows up in Jesus Christ and you can look at Jesus and go, nah, I don't buy it. You can have a moment of deep and utter spiritual clarity and understand that you belong to God completely, and then the next day you can go, ah, I was just in a good mood. I don't know what that was about. We are completely capable of denying God's presence as it changes our lives. Because we want everything to be perfect. When love shows up, it needs to feel exactly the way I expected it to feel and look exactly the way I want it to look. That's how I'll know love shows up. Maybe this is why we have such a hard time with Christmas. Like, I'm one of those people who loves Christmas season. I've got my Christmas playlist all queued up and ready to go, and day after Thanksgiving, I put it on, and I drive myself nuts all until... You know, well, till Epiphany, don't forget, Christmas season goes for 12 days, right? So I just go and go and go. And get the tree up and do everything. And yet, each year I'm like, that was it? Was that it? Did it happen? Was it Christmas? Was I joyful enough? Did I feel it? Did I feel it? Did it happen? I better get teary-eyed during O Come All You Faithful or it's not really Christmas. Did I feel the love from the right people? Did I love the right people? Call the right people? Text the right people? Was the steak cooked the right way? Did it get all perfect? 
I can't, um, I can't get my lights up this year. Couldn't get them up. I know you're saying there's still time. No, there isn't. It's over. It's done. <laughs> Don't come by my house. There's like, it's half lit, okay? We got half of them up, and then yesterday, literally, I looked at her, my wife and I said, we're calling it. We're done. And she goes, but, and I go, there's no but. We lose, it's over, it's done. And I have managed to disappoint myself, as I know many of you disappoint yourselves throughout this time. It's a frustrating time, even in its joy, because we're sitting around wondering what joy is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to match it, and what's our part in it, and will we be a part of other people's joy, and have we done enough? And every Christmas completely blows my mind because it's the end of the year, and at the end of the year, we're all sitting there going, did I make it? Was, am I better now? Into this space, into our frustration and fear and uncertainty and discouragement and disappointment with ourselves and others, into this space comes Jesus. Jesus meets us in our disappointment and reminds us of the truth. I love you. I love you for who you are. You keep trying to be something other than what you are, but I love you for this. You want to be better, so I'll love you, but I love you right now as you are. The work that we're going to do for this world, we're going to love this world as it is. And the healing that we bring about in this world is going to be brought through the love that we have for this world. And the healing that is brought into our hearts is going to be given, the healing that we have is going to be had through the love that God gives us here and now, as we are. How then do we prepare How do we prepare to see God when God shows up? I believe we practice by seeking God's presence in the people right in front of us. I believe this continues to be the truth of how we experience love. And if that sounds disappointing to you, good. That's the point. Real love isn't idealistic. And it isn't perfect. And it's often not romantic. It is saying yes to someone even when they drive you crazy. It is accepting and caring for the person who is imperfect. It is believing or trying to believe in your own belonging, even in your imperfection. Grace to you and peace from God. These are Paul's words. You will have plenty of disappointment and frustration in the days to come. It is my prayer that you will also give yourself and others grace. Because that is what God is doing for you right now.
Seek God's presence. And the imperfect people God places in your life. Seek God's belonging. And the imperfect one you see in the mirror. And work for God's peace in this imperfect world that God loves so much. God loves you. And God is with you. In Jesus' name. Please stand as you are able and join me in professing our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son he is worshipped and glorified. She has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. As we eagerly await the coming of our Lord and Savior, who brings light into our weary world, we turn to you, O God, with our concerns and thanksgivings, saying, Comfort your people, O God. Let your light shine in our hearts.
pray for the people everywhere that divisions and hatred, poverty and ignorance may be cast out, and that where there is conflict, leaders may be strengthened and inspired to unite for peace. Comfort your nations, O God. Let your light shine in our hearts. We pray that this Advent time of hopeful expectation may be for us a time of grace, reflection, and generosity. Open our hearts wide as we prepare for your coming. Comfort your world, O God. Let your light shine in our hearts. We pray for those who are sick, for the frail, and for those who feel alone. We pray for people in places that long for relief from suffering, especially Linda Borden, Martin Pop, Louise La Nouette, Pearson Daly, Roger Foote, Frank Keenan, Lori Callahan, Jay Ayersman, Scott Gunn, Nancy Dankert, Bill Thayman, Elizabeth Ross, Pam Leonard, Marilyn Ott, Mike Krug, Catherine Albertson, Bob McGonigal, Lee Hardy, Patty Livermore, Bill Powell, Liz Schildnick, Marianne Fairley, Scotty Carruthers, Christina Wolf, Nancy Powell, and those we name now silently or aloud. God, remind us that we are not alone. Comfort your children, O oh God. Let your light shine in our hearts. For the dying and the dead, for the repose of the, of the soul of Tom Butler, that the souls of the departed may live in your eternal light. Comfort your saints, O oh God. Let your light shine in our hearts. Comfort, comfort your people, O oh God. Cause a new light to shine in our hearts and keep us in hopeful expectation that you will make yourself known to us in small and generous ways as we await the coming of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have not done. We have not loved you our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry we do not repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. Almighty God, have mercy upon you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. 
Amen. Please stand. And may the peace of the Lord be always with you.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, because you sent your beloved Son to redeem us from sin and death and to make us heirs in him of everlasting life, that when he shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world, we may, without shame or fear, rejoice to behold his appearing. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. We give thanks to you, O God, for the goodness and love which you have made known to us in creation, in the calling of Israel to be your people, in your word spoken through the prophets, and above all in the word made flesh, Jesus, your Son. For in these last days you sent him to be incarnate from the Virgin Mary, to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. In him you have delivered us from evil and made us worthy to stand before you. In him you have brought us out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. On the night before he died for us, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, according to his command, O Father, we remember his death, we proclaim his resurrection, we await his coming in glory and we offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, O Lord of all, presenting to you from your creation this bread and this wine. We pray you, gracious God, to send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts, that they may be the sacrament of the body of Christ 
and his blood of the new covenant. Unite us to your Son and his sacrifice, that we may be acceptable through him, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ, and bring us to that heavenly country, where with all your saints we may enter the everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church, and the author of our salvation. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia! Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for us and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you now and always. Blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you now and always.
Please stand. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. As you leave this place, go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Honor everyone. Love and serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit, be among you now and remain with you unto the ages of ages. Amen. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.